We are a resource for learners, including every member of the Livestrong Cancer Institute's on-track educational pipeline from middle school to residency. We are a growing collection of interviews, talks, and experiences that uncover the myths and the uncertainties of cancer and careers in cancer in order to empower and inspire generations of thinkers and leaders. This is Cancer Uncovered, an education and empowerment podcast by the Livestrong Cancer Institutes. Welcome back to Cancer Uncovered. I'm Eugenio Sobrevia with the Livestrong Cancer Institute at the Medical School here at the University of Texas at Austin. I am a student volunteer on the behalf of Delmed, and I'll be co-hosting this podcast alongside with Christine, and we will be interviewing Mark Garza, who is the founder and executive director of the Flatwater Foundation, a nonprofit that provides mental health services to families impacted by cancer. As of now, the foundation has provided over 3,000 people with over 56,000 hours of therapy, provided at no cost for families. The foundation helps expand its services and its range with the help of its growing team and recognition. And in this first episode, we will be discussing the history of the Flatwater Foundation and how it became Mark Garza's goal to reach families impacted by cancer. We hope you enjoy. Thank you. Hello, my name is Eugenio Sobrevia. I am currently a student here at the University of Texas of Austin. I am a communications major and I'll be another voice on this uh, podcast. Yay, welcome. Glad to have you. Mark, can we have you introduce yourself? Absolutely. My name is Mark Garza, and I'm the founder and executive director of Flatwater Foundation here in Austin, Texas. And what we do is we cover 100% of the cost of of mental health therapy for families touched by cancer, touched by a diagnosis. Fantastic. Thank you so much for making time to do this today, Mark. Why and how did Flatwater Foundation begin? So Flatwater Foundation is an organization that I actually started here in Austin in 2010, after seeing the need firsthand, like after experiencing the difficulty of navigating not just a cancer diagnosis and what it does to the mind, uh, but also how difficult it is to navigate mental health, especially for most of us who have never even considered it. Yeah. Uh, you find out too late in a time of need trying to navigate that's very difficult. So we created the organization to help others get through that easier so they didn't have to go through what I went through, which we can get more into as well. But yeah, uh, but yeah it's it's a problem. And I'm a very much a see a problem, find a solution kind of person. So can you go ahead and tell us more about why Flatwater started? Where did that yeah. come from? Yeah. So, you know, in 2009, it was when my dad came to, I'm the youngest of four, Austin, Texas, born and raised, mm-hmm. like, been here for a long time. In my early 30s, I'm, I'm brought this news of my dad having uh, his PSA levels over 120,000. Hey y'all, Eugene here. So when Mark refers to PSA levels, he's talking about a blood test taking to check the levels of prostate-specific antigens, also known as PSAs. The Mayo Clinic defines PSAs as proteins produced by cancerous and non-cancerous tissues in the prostate. PSA tests are done to check the risk for prostate cancer, which is one of the leading cancers in the United States. High levels of PSA in your blood indicate an issue with your prostate that could potentially indicate cancer. It was something insane. We didn't even know what that was. Yeah. That sort of introduced the first part of like finding out news like 
your dad's been given a terminal diagnosis of cancer, but not really understanding how to hear it and how to understand what's going on. And that, you know, that affected so many people. And then really, you know, for a long time, when somebody's diagnosed with cancer, for a long time, people understand what's going on and how's your dad, how's your dad, how is your, you know, how's he doing? And he's got that medical care and he's got the doctors and they're doing what they can. But really, we've got a mom who has been with my dad for 47 years. I've got brothers and sisters who all handle this differently. And so it was just really evident what this tight-knit community, which in our case was our family, it's not always a family, but can be absolutely shattered through news like this. And then with that, there's just a big gap in care. There's a lot of stuff happening on the medical side, but what about the wife? What about the children? What about yeah. the spouses? Oh, siblings yeah. is a big one. Yeah. And so I just saw it and I was just experiencing it in so many different ways and thought, like I said, this is a problem and nobody's doing anything about it. I kind of want to come up with a way to streamline how people that are given this news can navigate the care but more importantly, it's too expensive. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. Through my story, I got there and I didn't even find out how expensive mental health support was until I was in the chair after figuring out finally who I wanted to see. Eugene here. So when researching the average cost of therapy in the United States, the cost of therapy generally ranges from $65 an hour to $250 or more. And in some parts of the country, a person can expect to pay upwards of $100 to $200 per session. And then... I had to take a pause and realize, I don't know if I can do this. Yeah. And so this special therapist called me on a Saturday a week later and was like, hey, I want to talk to you. There's something special. Don't worry about the money. Like, mm-hmm. what can we do? We need to get you in here. And this is, you know, this is a while back. But yeah. And that was it. That was my aha moment. Like, it changed my life that first session. It, it changed my perspective. I wanted to be a beacon. I wanted to to help other people understand what I was experiencing. Yeah. And that money barrier didn't need to be there if I could figure out a way to remove that mm-hmm. or, or at least kind of get it out of the way for those that, that were experiencing that roadblock. Yeah. Um, I knew I'd find a way and that was 12 years ago. It's amazing. Yeah. I'm fascinated by this because you didn't work in healthcare. No. Nope. Right. No connection to mental health care services whatsoever. Absolutely. So what is it? I just think it's really special when someone says, I see this problem, I'm navigating this for the first time, yeah. but I'm going to do something about it. I don't know how to put that into the form of a question except to say just where does that come from for you? It, it, it's, it comes from a lifetime of really being being driven to solve problems and being yeah. a problem solver and think. And so for me, I was fortunate enough. Like I said, I'm one of four and we solved our own problems Yeah, in a good way. Mm-hmm. Like our parents took very good care of us, but we all of us have this very strong skill of solving a problem, figuring it out because it's, it's life is going to be full of these problems. And so I think really it wasn't about what are the reasons I shouldn't do this, which were, I have no, no business working in mental health. I have no knowledge. I have no training as a social worker. I'm not, sure. And really all of the reasons why it needed to happen and we could figure out the, figure out the other ones. And yeah. so for me, it really comes from that notion of like, what is the problem? What is the solution? And if you can identify those, you can bridge from one to the other and you're going to fail and be okay with failing or doing the wrong thing. Sure. And I have gotten very comfortable 
with that, knowing that we just don't repeat those failures. We learn from them. And so I think that's it. You know, I, HIPAA was a big one. I, <laughs> I did not live in a world of HIPAA. I was sure. a doctor. It means um, things like uh, filling out the paperwork. I didn't hire a lawyer. I actually had to start a company. You had to start a nonprofit in the end when I decided I wanted to take this in-house and be the bank, if you will, to pay all these. We had to start a company and I had to learn. And so just this heavy desire to learn, learn, learn. And that education and knowledge was basically the key to unlock the problems Mm -hmm. and knock them out one by one. And I couldn't solve all of them. And 12 years later, the biggest one of all, we finally hired at the organization, you know, 12 years in a, an absolute, she's a professor at UT in the School of Social Work. Nice. We brought in Becky Morales, who's an expert in the field and a couple decades here in Austin. And she's been helping us for forever, since the beginning, actually, wow. for about 10 years. So to me, she represents, eventually, when you get there, like financially, for example, you bring in the, the right person to do it. But just don't be afraid to figure it out. I've said it for over 10 years. I've said this was a very much a case of jump out of the plane and build a parachute on the way down. Mm. And it's such a cliche, but that is why stuff doesn't get done because we tell ourselves I'm not the person for it or I don't really know how. Yeah. And, you know, as a, as a father, like I can't let my kids think like that. Yeah. So you yeah. have to you have to understand how not to think like that. Can you tell us really basically mm-hmm. for those that don't know? What does Flatwater Foundation do? Sure. So let's start with the name, Flatwater Foundation. Yes, start with the name. My dad's cancer was the impetus, sort of the, the power behind me discovering all this, his terminal diagnosis. And he was a huge believer in the healing power of water. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going, you know, I do this PR stunt that we can talk about, but this PR mm-hmm. stunt to make people realize how important mental health is, right? Yeah. And especially around a diagnosis and... It was so interesting because it's on water. My dad, who was sick, was a big believer in the healing power of water. And so I really quickly understood that what we represented was these waves and all this trouble, this turbulence. Waves is really the best way to think about it. They come with the diagnosis that disrupt so many people. And if we could bring these people back to flat water, Mm -hmm. this imagery of this calm, this place of balance and serenity, which in my head just lives so strong, that image does. And yeah. it brings me such happiness going up to a big body of calm water. And so that was what we planned to do. And so from navigating what is an LCSW, LPC, what are they, what do they do, who do I need to see, from helping navigate that and then also finding somebody that's willing to see you, that's, we call that the navigation of this problem. But then on top of that is the money and the finances and helping pay for it. Mm-hmm. So we are going to, the solution that I said was that was the problem. We're going to set this up so we can let people find the people in care. And because I was not a mental health professional and a social worker, I went and partnered with where they are. You go where the problem is, right? You don't try to find a new place to send people. We went there to Texas Oncology and the uh, the Livestrong Navigation Center yeah. when it was still um, still operational yeah. here in Austin. That was our core. And so we went to Livestrong and said, okay, well, if anybody needs help, can y'all help them? And they were like, mm, it's too expensive. I heard it everywhere. Yeah. So I said, okay, well, we'll build a system where you can find the people that really need it and you know can't pay for it. I'll go find therapists. And with those therapists, we'll agree to a flat rate that's a reduced rate so we can see more people and I'll figure out raising money 
I'm a marketer by trade. I'm, I'm an events guy. So it was like, okay, the problem is money. Yeah. The solution is going to be money. Mm-hmm. People not having it and getting it. That's a simple one. I just, this is really going to be a fundraising organization. And like I said, we're going to be a bank and we're going to pay for this. Yeah. Let's start there. And then working with all these expert navigators and social workers in the field, we could find the people that needed help, figure out a system to connect them with us, build a HIPAA border around all of that, like yep. bring the HIPAA aspect in and solve for that and then use technology. So putting all those pieces together very quickly, it started with a spreadsheet of all the providers that we had that were willing to do this because this was novel and new. Got those in the hands of the people that were working with the families and said, send us the bill. It was that simple. It was really like, it's as simple as you see the problem. People don't have money. Let's raise it. Build a system so people can send us money, but let's build a firewall, if you will, around who they are. The thing that keeps popping up Mm -hmm. for me is like, so are you cold calling psychologists and psychiatrists and saying, Hey, we will be, (laughs) will you do this for like a a flat fee of, no, we will be, we will be here soon because we're in hyper mode to get more and more and more people. But for a decade, what we've done is I went to live strong's navigation center. It all started with a conversation. Hey, do you have therapists that come in here and say, Oh my gosh, you know, I'm so passionate about the cancer community and I'm a therapist. I would love to see people. And they said, yeah, all the time. And I said, great. Okay. What do you do? And they were like, have you ever sent anybody? And they said, no, it's too expensive. Yeah. And that just kept coming up. And so the navigation center was building the opportunity to see somebody, you know, four or five, six times there okay. in the house within Livestrong. But we were all about like, cancer's not a two, three month mental yep. journey, right? Yep. So I was handed a stack of business cards. And so initially it was cold calling. Okay. Um, Warm calling. Really, warm calling. A warm handoff. Yes. Of course. And so we started there and that was the first network. But then word got out and friends of friends or people do it. And so it was naturally kind of an evolution of friends of friends. Right. Yeah. yeah. This network was growing organically internally. And then we had to start taking referrals and references. And in COVID, pre-COVID world, in the old world, it was all about geography. So there were times that we would see a spike or a need or a population, a demographic geographically that we weren't really close to. And so we might go and ask or cold call some people in that area. But now that we're ready to grow, we're building systems around enhancing the website as a portal and a link that we can start building forms and forms for interest. Because, yeah, it's just been Mark. Call Mark or Mark calls you. Let's wow. build a database, put you in there, help you. If, you. if you're a fit and you want to be a part of this network and agree to our you know, $85 rate today and it'll go up in next year and we try to stay paying a good rate because this needs to be sustainable. Hey there, Eugene again. When looking up the increase of interest of therapy throughout and after the pandemic, therapy for the treatment of things like anxiety and depression increased across the board with more than eight in 10 psychologists reporting that they have seen an increase in demand since the start of the pandemic. Psychologists are even reporting that they are working at or beyond capacity, with more than 4 in 10 being unable to meet the demand for treatment, and 46% saying that they feel burnt out. This just puts in perspective the true interest of mental health services, but also the struggle to access these services due to the sheer demand, but also the lack of providers. We don't need to be taking advantage of these providers. And it's just sort of becomes 
referrals, internal referrals. Mm -hmm. Every time we meet with all of our, once a year, we meet with everybody in our network and say, we need more, we need more. They're the best advocates because they say this is some of their favorite work that they do, but it's time to grow. Mm -hmm. And the demand has risen and the number of of therapists has actually decreased through the Mm -hmm. pandemic. People stop practicing. So more people going to care. Same old story, pandemic, supply, down, demand up. So now we're going to start cold calling. We're going to start building this. And now that we've hired a full-time program director, we're so excited to raise that rate that we're going to pay because we want to incentivize these people to do their best work. And we want to be around forever. As long as until cancer, we can get rid of this cancer deal. Right. (laughs) Right. So, yeah. So it's, again, that's one of those failure points. Like, does this work? No. Does this work? Somewhat. And getting creative. Becky Morales comes in and helps us understand how we can more effectively increase the size of our network and also the amount of sessions uh, available with each of those providers. So we were talking about that a little bit before you walked in here, Mark, is what does care look like for someone who's seeking services, right? Do they get like, we were talking about here at UT, there's actually a service for employees and staff where you get six sessions a year, right? So like, how does that work? So to me, that's, to me, that was part of the problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think it's actually amazing. I think it's fantastic. And I'm very careful not to speak negatively about it because that's not a problem that people are providing this care. I think it's the norm. Yeah. And the norm is six or seven. It's based on decades and decades old research plus cost, yeah. right? So if you look at cost and you look at research done by insurance companies has said that, okay, efficacy shows that after so many times, somebody that has a generic problem, talks to a therapist after X number of sessions, we see improvement and we can't pay for this forever because we're the insurance company. Right. Totally understood. And it's valuable to understand that. With cancer, we can't apply, you know, mental health norms to all different sorts of things. And I think we've done that as a business in business for a long time, especially the business of, of insurance, which again, is a great thing that gives people access to the care that they need. However, it's very limiting. And they're in the business of saying, okay, we're done. Yeah. So we wanted to be a solution that so Flatwater Foundation actually pretends like the whole insurance side of things just does not exist. Okay. We don't, people say, can we get your pick? Can we, can you pay my COVID? We actually don't, we don't want to, and we can't because you're in contractual agreements with your insurance companies yeah. that you're paying for your part and they're paying for the other. Yeah. We are not disrupting that. We are very careful to not interrupt that process because it's very valuable. And we don't want that to be a problem. Right. We want to say, okay, instead of that, let us come in and be the payer mm-hmm. for you. We don't take names and emails currently. We are working very hard on finding great talent and, and lawyers and knowledge in the HIPAA space to help us be able to start using technology to token and encrypt and, and be able to take names. But for t- over 10 years, we've not taken names and emails because we want to grow and help thousands and we've helped you know, 3000 people and we've done 56,000 hours of therapy. We didn't think that having their names and email addresses and data to be able to interact with them, i.e. having protected health information, who they are, was as important as making sure that we save lives. Yeah. We've come to this juncture right now, which is huge that we're going to be able to do both, which is actually where we need to be. I wish we were there a long time ago, but now that we've worked hard to raise the funds and we have resources and we're always looking for for more resources to help us do that. We can program into our systems protections and then we can actually start to survey and talk to them and and email them and get better and have feedback loops and all of the things, make sure that that we are helping them 
it, it, it's it's paramount. Yeah. There's so many places I want to go. I know, and I go, I go all over this. I'm super passionate about this. I love it. I will go, I'll go into into so many, so many different. I live this and have lived this for 12 years, and it's something that like is still is actually a bigger problem when we are recording this podcast yeah. at the end, yeah. the end of 2022. Is not 2010 when the Flatwater Foundation started, and I think yep. that's a very important thing to think about yep. because I was solving problems over a decade ago. We're solving new problems today. And that's the future of the organization is putting ego aside and knowing that we don't always do things right or the best way and constantly searching for a better way. And it can be less like, you know, doing less can actually be a better way of doing things. So just running it like a business and and making sure that we are singularly focused on a mission and accomplishing that mission. I'm curious to know, since you've been doing this for quite a while, you said new challenges came up. Could mm-hmm. you expand a little bit more about what those yeah, are? Very, I can simplify it if you think about in 2010 when I started this, there wasn't a conversation at the table about therapy, mental health. It wasn't something that people yep. were talking about at Thanksgiving. It wasn't something that people were, celebrities were posting about constantly, right? Yep. It is something we did early on by using the world's greatest athlete, who was Trey Hardy and you know, world champion of the decathlon. The year we started, that was how we went to market with. And he's still our global ambassador today, UT, UT graduate and, and decathlon, decathlete. But like using that space because people listen to these athletes was something that we wanted to do because it's all about mental toughness, mental health, mental fitness for success. And then here we are. That problem goes away when... The whole world is hit with not just Simone Biles and the Olympics and then the pandemic comes along and then our children. Mm-hmm. So now it's not as much of, of a problem to tell people that it's important. It's a problem that we don't have enough space yeah. to put people and therapists and supplies down, et cetera, et cetera. So that's a huge shift. I'm a t- storyteller and I can you know talk to people or we can create a why and express it and get people to get care that we had great success with and we did peer-to-peer fundraising. I'm an events person, et cetera. Those are no longer the problems. We have a $1.2 million paddleboarding event that we started. Right. Awesome. Now we need to look at our new problems. How do we raise money without doing events? We're not a production company. We've never had more than two people on staff in the first 12 years of doing this. We now have three, but we don't need to do build and build and build and create more events. We need to get better at major gifts and giving campaigns and stuff like that. So those aren't necessarily problems. I think they're approaches, but like the problems that you're solving change. Mm-hmm. And so now it's like, okay, let's bring in an expert. This mental health expertise is going to help us get where we need to be at this point. For sure. I got to move out of that spot. Mm-hmm. I'm just a business guy, you know, who worked in global ad agencies and I need to be sure that my strengths are utilized and let's bring in somebody to run the program. And then as a business, let's bring in an ED, which is the plan going into 2023. I've been the executive director and run this from the beginning. Now I'm looking to go to a volunteer spot on the board of directors so that we can bring in a, a seasoned licensed development person that is all about major gifts and bringing in money, knows a bunch of people in the, in the community, but also that knows how to run a business and has a very strong acumen for, for nonprofit. I wasn't creating the organization to give myself a job. You know, we have to move this thing forward as long as we can with 
with the right with the right tools. Yeah. And so I'm that's the most thing I'm most excited about is all this learning and then just putting so as the problems change, finding the right tool, it's like fixing a car. Like, you know, you just gotta get the right tool for the right issue. But none of that works if you're not constantly looking for issues. Mm. <laughs> and you know, with a staff of three, it, it's overwhelming. Well, you, it's, it's it's great because you don't have to look far. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's that's very so much. So over seven million dollars raised. Yeah, we were seven and a half million, and over yeah, that over seven and a half million worth of care. When we say worth of care, there's a value that goes with each session, even though we pay less. So it's not a one to one, but we have spent millions and millions like it's over seven and a half million worth of therapy has been covered at no cost to these families in austin Incredible. and that was the problem and it's not the money that we're paying it's to me it's fifty six thousand hours of care i guess they're correlated and it's one and one and one but the money was the problem like i said so that's just those are just the keys that we're using to unlock the door yeah but the number of hours i want you know I want to double it. I want to, yeah. my goal is $25, $30 million. And that was part one of our episode. Thank you, Mark Garza, for your time and expertise. If you have any questions about today's episode or ideas for a future episode, please give us an email at livestrongcancerinstitutes at delmed.etexas.edu. You can also follow our guest, Mark Garza, on Twitter, on his foundation website at Flatwater Helps, and also on Facebook, Flatwater Foundation. If you have more questions about the Livestrong Cancer Institute, please visit delmed.utexas.edu. This is Eugenio Sorevia reporting for Cancer Uncovered. Thank you for listening and learning with us.